Hey, uh, if you have a copy of God's Word, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28? And while you're on your way there, let me make one more announcement. I know you guys, there's just been a ton of different things thrown at you this morning. Uh, but I will just quickly say you got an email this week uh, about our deacon nomination process. It's something we do every year around this time. And back there at the Connect desk, uh, Jerry's standing up on there right now. So Jerry, can you wave your hand? That, so right back there, that's the Connect desk. And if you are a Crossroad member, uh, you could head back there and nominate someone for uh, the Office of Deacon. That's a two-week process. You can do that today or next Sunday. So if you're just now hearing about this, uh, you have a week. You can kind of pray on that and think about it and then come back and do that in accordance with our bylaws. That's a two-week process, and then uh, that will all really take place in the new year. But this is just the very beginning beginning of that. So if you have questions about that, I'd be glad to answer it. I just don't want to take any more time talking about that. All right. Uh, so Matthew 28 is where we are at. Uh, I, I want to just say that I am well aware that today is probably my last what could be called normal sermon here at Crossroad. And arguably not a lot that I've done in this five years has been normal. And I get that. But next week I will preach kind of my final sermon and with that final sermon will kind of come some personal remarks and such so I'm excited to share those special moments with you next week I hope you'll get to be here for that uh, but for now here we are once again at a place we've been many times before uh, with our Bibles open asking God to speak to us through his word and here's what I know uh, in a couple of weeks you will be here again with Bibles open, asking God to speak through His Word. And I want you to know that that is a prayer that God always answers. So it's with a great deal of joy and confidence that, that I continue to press on in this series where we've been thinking about our core values. Uh, so we have our vision statement, which is the shirt I'm wearing today. Uh, that says reach teach live and love like Jesus you see it when you're walking out of here you hear that a lot that is our vision as a church we want to be a people who reach teach live and love like Jesus but how do we fulfill that vision that is where we have our mission statement which is essentially these four core values that we have talked about a lot over the last few years uh, these are in literally in our constitution and bylaws we have this vision and this mission to which we've been called so last week we talked about what it means and what it looks like to preach the word and today you're getting a twofer all right so here's what you need to know this isn't a oh man I've only got a couple weeks so I'm gonna have to squish a couple of these together but I'm hoping you will actually see that I think these two actually go hand in hand and just for uh, just FYI tonight we will be talking about prayer so all four core values will happen uh, it's not going to be kind of a full-length sermon but I am going to preach uh, tonight and talk about the core value of prayer at our prayer meeting at five o'clock so I hope you'll get to be here for that but I want us to see today that this call to reach the nations actually starts by being a church that equips the saints these two things go hand in hand. If we're going to reach the nations, we have to equip the saints. And if we're going to equip the saints, we have to have saints, and that means we need to be reaching the nations so that we can have believers. And there's no doubt that the Lord has given us a massive, huge, incredible mission, hasn't he? Like, in fact, when you read the text we're going to read here in a few moments, it could almost be a little bit overwhelming, especially when we say to you often, that Crossroad Church is not a nonprofit organization. This isn't, uh, you know, just a, a building and a place where we gather. The church is not something we do, but rather, you are the church. 
So if you are the church, this mission that Jesus has given his church is a mission that Jesus has given you. So, so then when you look at that mission, it can be a little bit frightening, right? I mean, even number two, reach the nations. Does that give anybody else a little bit of anxiety? Like I'm, I'm moving 10 hours away and I feel like I'm about to die. And that, you know, Texas is its own nation. We recognize that, right? And you could say it's lesser than or greater than, and, and you can be wrong. Uh, but, but reaching the nations, my goodness, it's staggering to think of how we would actually accomplish this. And we could almost find ourselves thinking this huge epic mission we've been giving must require some pretty big plans. If we're going to do this, we need something extraordinary to do such an extraordinary thing. How are we going to reach the nations? There must be some crazy plan. We need to get together, our, our trustees and deacons and pastors. Let's all get our heads together. How in the world are we going to do this? We must get some really cool programs going on. We need to build some awesome buildings. We need to fund some things. How in the world are we going to make this happen? So surely the Lord would give us a plan in his word. And I would argue that he has, but here's what's weird. When you dive into Scripture, what you're going to find is that it's actually pretty ordinary and basic. Napoleon defined military genius as the ability to do average things when everyone around you is panicking. Isn't that a brilliant saying? And I think there is genius in the way that Jesus models reaching the nations for us. It's shockingly simple and even, I would say, average. But while the modern church is oftentimes running around trying to figure out how we grow a church, how do we reach the nations, how do we see Jesus inviting us to do it? And that answer comes in number three, equipping the saints. So we're going to find this connection here in the text we're studying today. And both of these core values, I think, are also found here in the text. So a familiar, by the grace of God, in the last five years, the Lord has made this a familiar text for us. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Let's read this together. Then we'll pray and ask for the Lord's help. The Word of God says this. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, Lord, we thank you for this passage that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, by your grace is familiar to us because we have studied it multiple times over the years and I pray that we will continue to circle back to this mission over and over and over again in the uh, weeks, months, years ahead, Lord. Help us be a church on mission. I pray that today you would just by your Holy Spirit show us what that looks like, that through your word you would speak so, so clearly to us that we would know when we leave here that this wasn't Rusty's word, this wasn't Crossroads' word, but this was you, Father, speaking your truth to us in a way that we can understand it. So thank you for what you're going to do and we stand ready to give you all the honor, glory, and praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Observing communion messes me up when I have to get up here and talk afterwards. I'm like, so, so I apologize. I, I contemplated what some of my final words would be for you, uh, this church that I love so much. And 
I, I really, as I prayed about it, the Lord just kind of brought to my mind that what better place to land than some of the final words Jesus shared before he ascended into heaven. I'm not going into heaven. Don't plan on uh, going home to be with the Lord. But if he does that, you're all going to be like, that was weird. He kind of mentioned that that could happen. Uh, there you go. Uh, but I do know uh, that the Lord had some really important words, and, and if Jesus says these words right before he goes up to be in to glory, these are the last words he shares to his closest followers, we ought to probably have ears that are tuned in to listen closely to that, right? Uh, so these are those words. This passage is often known as the Great Commission. Uh, my friend, Pastor Chris Moody, suggests that we might be better off calling it just the Commission, because when we call it the Great Commission, what we've kind of tended to do as Christians is almost acted as if this is for the extra spiritual Christians, right? This is for those who want to really level up in their pursuit of Christ. If you really want to follow the Lord, then perhaps this is what it should look like for us to do. But Jesus doesn't seem to indicate that this is a, an extra credit assignment for believers, Rather, what Jesus seems to say here is that this is the expectation for every single disciple, everybody who follows after Christ, this is what our life should look like. So I want to say to you very clearly that if you know Jesus, if you've been saved, as we've said many times here, you've not only been saved from an eternity in hell, but you have been saved to his mission. And this text is going to make this mission abundantly clear. And what I want you to know today by the time you leave, and some of you know this already and just need to hear this by way of reminder, this great commission is for you. It's for you. So I want to just set the scene of what's happened here in the text. You know if we're at the end of a gospel that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has already happened. Uh, what you don't often think of is that after the resurrection, Jesus spent, according to the book of Acts, 40 days doing life with his disciples and the apostles. Isn't that wild? I think we kind of tend to be like, uh, from the grave he arose and then went to heaven, right? Uh, so Easter happened, then he was in heaven and everything was over. But actually, the text says that he was around and did life with his disciples for a while. In fact, that's why 1 Corinthians 15 is going to say, oh, you don't believe he rose from the dead? Ask those 500 people who saw them who are still alive today. It's an incredible apologetic thing when you think about it from that perspective. Uh, I read the Gospel of John a couple weeks ago, and I love the line, the very closing of that Gospel. He says this. Let me find it here so I can quote it accurately. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if every one of them were written, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. Isn't that a fun statement? Like, not even just Jesus' 33 years of life, but what happened in this 40 days? Like, I wish we had a book about that. And, and the reality is we don't know, but here's what we do know. The Holy Spirit of God inspired exactly what he wanted us to know, and we have it contained here in the inerrant, infallible, perfect word of God. And what we have is this great commission. So the last words of Christ before he ascends into heaven is what we find here. Now, you'll notice in verse 18 but that before the Great Commission, we actually have the great announcement. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. How much authority? All authority. So you need to know this, friends. You are not being commissioned by your pastor. This isn't like a rah-rah-ree, kick him in the knee, I'm on the way out, so give him a shout. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do right now, Okay. I'm glad that that ended up not cussing or something. That was all off the top of my head, so you're fine. Praise God. 
Uh, <laughs> this isn't just a pep rally to try to get you all fired up and say everything's great, everything's good, go out there and get them. This isn't a commission from me, your pastor. This isn't a commission from your church. This isn't a commission that, that we as a, a body have just tried to put together. No, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who the Bible says right now is holding the world together, in fact, the universe together, according to Hebrews 1, by the word of his immovable power, this is the Savior who has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he commissions you. He commissions us. He has all authority even over us, and I would say, friends, especially over his church. So again, this commission is for you. So we ought to listen and respond to this today. And the way I want to kind of walk through this is really by just looking at the five commands, these imperatives that leap out of the commission. So we're going to walk through this text and look at them one at a time. So let's start with the first one. You ready? Let's look at what it means to go. The mission of God requires us to go. It requires us to get out of our comfort zones, to move. Listen, you can't stay where you are and expect God to move. The mission of God requires that we be a going people. But it's hard, isn't it? Change is immensely difficult. My family and I obviously are living that right now in a real way, and because of that, obviously, you are also being forced into a season where we are living that in a very real way, and it is a struggle. And here's one of the reasons I've known that God has called us to do this, is even in the midst of pain and discomfort, we are confident that this is what God wants us to do. And like I said, our step of faith is calling you into a season where you're having to take a step of faith. But, but here's what I know, and here's what you know. When we are willing to say yes to Jesus, when we are a going people, God blesses our going. So there are moments where we're called to go in special ways. But, but also I need you to know that, that all of these commands, all of these verbs that we find here in the text are, are written in the Greek language in such a way that they indicate continuous action. So, so a literal rendering of this word might actually read this way. As you are going and then follow the rest of these commands. So, yes, there are times where God calls and we must respond in big ways. Thankful feast, mission trips, big initiatives, stepping into a season of calling a new pastor. There are seasons where there are big challenges and we have to be a going people. But also the heart of the Great Commission is that as we go through life, we're on mission for the Lord. As we go to school, as we go to work, as we do life with our family, as we do life with our friends, as we go to the store, all of the things, as we're going and doing and being, we are to be a people on mission. Several years ago, we did a series called Everyday Mission, and the heart of the Great Commission was in that series. Jesus calls you to be on mission every day of your life. So what does that mission look like? Well, we'll continue by looking at the second command we see here, and that call is to make disciples. Make disciples. This is the call. As we are going, as we are doing our lives, we are to make disciples. So a disciple is simply a follower. So, so a disciple of Christ is a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who has surrendered their lives to Jesus. 
someone who follows him every step of their lives. So at the heart of the Great Commission is this call for us to make disciples. Church, I want you to hear my heart today when I say to you that this is what your life should be about. In the last decade of pastoral ministry, it's become more and more obvious to me that, that this is the single most important part of my life. As I prepare to, to leave a church I love, another church I love, the Lord's ha I've had to do this a couple times now already, and, and it's tough. And here's, here's why it's tough for me in some ways. Like, I know that my time here has been short enough that, you know, in 10 years, you're not going to remember my cool sermon series. In fact, I bet maybe one or two of you even remembered the sermon series, Everyday Mission, that I just mentioned a second ago, right? Like, you're not going to remember my cool sermon series. You're not going to remember the special initiatives that I tried to start in our church. You know, you're going to wear one of these t-shirts and someone's going to be like, blast from the past, <laughs> right? Like, that's what happens. That's how life goes but but here is what i know and what the lord has just reminded me of constantly in the day in day out of my ministry we, we might not remember those things but the lasting fruit of my life is going to be the individual lives that i've been able to pour into and that i've invested in the people that i've had the, the opportunity to walk in discipleship relationships with and and here's what encourages me as we move forward those people are now investing in other people so, so the wild thing is, my ministry, you, you know, you're kicking me out next week. I'm leaving. The Lord's called me away. And can I tell you what's going to happen? In 10 years, the, the ministry that the Lord has done here in the last five years is still going to be bearing fruit. And I pray that it will for decades to come. Here's what I want you to understand, though. I, I'm not just talking about my ministry, my life. This isn't because I'm a pastor. This is because I'm a disciple that makes sense in fact the things that i have done in these relationships i'm talking about you know when i did them not on the clock we came up here at 6 a.m you didn't you didn't even want they they didn't want me here at that time right this stuff this is stuff we've done on our this is just everyday christ follower this is what a disciple does not a pastor a disciple is someone who is making disciples Real disciples are actively making disciples. And I love this model Jesus has given us. This is Jesus' model for reaching the nations. It's not sexy. It's not something that you're going to write a book about and that everyone's going to be like, wow, this is awesome. No, Jesus' model for reaching the nations is invest in the people around you. Isn't that wild? When we equip the saints to make disciples, we end up reaching the nations. Why? Because real disciples are constantly making other disciples. You say, well, how does that happen, Rusty? Here's how. The next command, baptize. Baptize. Now, you might be thinking, oh, wait, I, now we all got to start doing baptisms? And, and while, you know, I don't think there's really any reason why you can't perform a baptism, the command is actually at the heart of this is evangelism. And evangelism is a big churchy word, but here's what it means. Telling people about Jesus. Sharing the good news about Jesus. I've told you before, but I think the greatest blind spot of the modern church is evangelism. We just don't do it anymore. We've kind of been beaten down as a culture into a people who have said, well, the, my faith is a personal thing. I don't talk about it with other people. Like, this is just kind of a personal thing, and, and I don't want to offend anybody. I don't really want to do that. 
We've bought into the lie of our culture that this is personal and it's something that we shouldn't talk about in the public sphere or with other people. But it's kind of weird because I, I do know that we like talking about our faith, but, you know, like I'll wear this shirt and this shirt says like Jesus in massive letters on it, right? So people are like, oh, you know, where, where do you go to church? And if you ever have one of those conversations, you almost walk away feeling good about it. Like, wow, I got to talk about Jesus with a stranger. And as cool as those moments are, let me just lovingly say those are great moments. God winks that he gives us to say, hey, we're not alone in this. But can I also tell you that, that when you walk away from that, that you know that there are probably a ton of other people at that restaurant or at that store or at your workplace who didn't ask about your shirt, who actually way more desperately need to hear the good news of the gospel. It's a challenge, isn't it? The enemy has convinced us that it's too weird and uncomfortable to talk about Jesus. The illustration that, I, that I've used with you multiple times goes like this. If I knew right now that during the service that explosive mines were being planted all throughout the parking lot and that on your way to your vehicle many of you would perish today, how should I respond? Well, I mean, I only have two Sundays left. I mean, I don't want to ruin one of my last messages by having to be the crazy guy. And, you know, the spirit in the room was just so good. People felt like it'd just be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be that guy, right? Just to bring the whole party down and just ruin the vibe of the room. The music was so great, and then the preacher just got up there and started saying, oh, people are going to die, right? No. The only loving, responsible thing that I could do would be to proclaim to you that danger is imminent unless you turn around. Oh, yet friends, you and I are willing to let people that we call friends and loved ones skip happily towards an eternity in hell separated from the God who created us to worship Him and enjoy Him forever and we don't say a word because it would be awkward. Can I tell you what's awkward? You don't really love your friends and family. If you did, you'd warn them. Because here's the thing, guys. We have the solution. We have the solution. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Man, listen, you like sharing good news, don't you? I, I mean, I do. The last few weeks, not fun for me. August 13th is a day in my ministry that will live in infamy where I had to get up here and tell y'all I'm leaving. And watch, you know, I'm trying to make jokes, and you're like, we're not laughing today, bro. And I was like, what's new for some of you, <laughs> you know? Oh, don't, no, don't do it now. Don't do it now. I know the difference between laughing at me and laughing with me. It was, a, it was a tough day. The last few weeks have not been fun. But over the five years I've been your pastor, can I tell you there's also been lots of days where I got to say this, and I'd almost always leave with a question like this. Can I share some good news with you? And what have y'all said? <laughs> yeah, bring it on, because it's always bad news. So yeah, come on, share something good. We got a new worship pastor the Lord sent us. Some wacky dude from Colorado. We've got a youth pastor. You've given so faithfully that we're paying a huge chunk down on our building note. 
God's taking care. Like, I love sharing good news. You love sharing good news, man. Like, we're, we're going to have a baby, or we've got a new job, or, or we're building a new house. Like, we naturally love to share good things that are happening in our lives. It's a natural thing. So here's the call of the Great Commission. Start sharing the greatest news that you have ever received in your life. Well, I love our capitalism vibes in America, right? You know what we get most pumped about sharing? Deals. <laughs> Pastor Rick, can I, can I pick on you for a second? I, I, you can't say no now. It's happened. So what if he just said no? And I was like, okay, moving on. Uh, Y'all are going to be like, what was that? Listen, Pastor Rick, the Lord brought him here, and we, uh, we've, we all are very similar in a lot of ways, different in a lot of ways too, but one thing that we all love is a little bit of barbecue action. Can I tell you, we have a great evangelist for the Hog Wild Lunch Special in Pastor Rick. Since he discovered, when he discovered that thing, you know, I, I see, you know, about once every couple weeks, he's got a Hog Wild cup, and he'll tell you, like, oh, do you eat a Hog Wild? Man, you got to get that special. <laughs> right? And y'all need to pray for our, our other pastor, Pastor Lyle. Uh, our, our barbecue place had the special nachos last week, and he was out of town. So he's going through a really tough season. Y'all just lift him up in prayer, okay? But you know about those nachos. Why? Because, like, I emailed you about them about once every two months, right? Like, we, we share things that we love. We're excited about things. We enjoy sharing deals. We enjoy sharing good things in our life, things that we're happy about. Like, it is a natural thing. Guys, here's what I'm telling you. You ought to be naturally sharing what Jesus is doing in your life all the time. All the time. It ought to be overflow. You're, you're uh, you know, we're not going to say hog wild cup, but your cup ought to be overflowing to the point when you're walking around, people say, what's that? And they say, Jesus, Jesus, he saved me and he can save you too. Listen, you don't have to be a preacher to share your story. You were lost and Jesus saved you. There is power in that testimony. Jesus continues in the Great Commission by calling us to teach. Again, this may scare you a little bit. Let me unpack it, though. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So if we're not careful, we, we say this often, we see salvation as the finish line of the Christian faith when it's actually the starting line, right? When you get saved, it's the beginning of your life in Christ. And what we tend to do is baptize new believers, throw them out in the world, and say, good luck. And we wonder why people find themselves far from church and living in the darkness that Jesus has saved them out of. I've never watched this show on Netflix, but it was a really kind of a sensation there for a little while, a Japanese reality show called Old Enough. Have some of you seen this? It's a show, here's the premise of it, where they send toddlers out into the world to complete adult tasks with a camera crew following them around to see how they do. Can I just tell y'all, my anxiety as a dad of toddlers has shot through the roof just thinking about it. That's why I haven't ever watched it. But listen to me, friends. This is what we are doing with so many people who have given their lives to Christ. We just send them out into the world without equipping them at all. And then we wonder why their lives blow up. 
the Great Commission says as we go, we're making disciples by evangelizing, baptizing, but also by teaching people to walk with Jesus. This means we need to do life in a very real way with one another. And this doesn't just mean spiritual friendship, though that is a good and important thing. But here's my question. Where do we find the quote from the text, everything that Jesus commanded us? From the Bible. From the Bible. So we need to be walking with other believers through the Scriptures consistently getting in the word of God together. So, so you need to know what we're doing right now, friends. This is discipleship. What we're doing right now, this is discipleship. But when you get together with your life groups, and, and maybe when you get together with your group, you're going to talk about this. So as you think through these five commands over the next a few days before your group meets, you're processing, then your group's going to get together, and you're going to talk even more about this. What are you doing? You're gathering together around the word of God. That's discipleship. Our men's studies and our women's studies, these are discipleship. Our intentional discipleship communities and and, uh, teams, these are uh, real discipleship things that are happening. But the whole idea behind all of it, y'all, is intentionally doing life with one another, with the Bible, Jesus at the center of it, speaking into every part of that process. That's what it means to teach each other. So you don't have to be an expert. Don't be intimidated by that. You don't have to go to seminary to be able to teach others. You just need to gather around the scriptures with other believers. So as we go, we're teaching others to follow Jesus. And finally, there's one more command I want to point to. And that's the call to remember. Remember. Jesus said, remember. Some of your translations say, behold. King James Version says, lo. All of those literally mean looking constantly looking and remember what i said about that verb earlier as you go as you are going you're always looking continuing to look to the one that we know is with us a constant reminder to notice that god is with you you are not in this alone as you're going keep looking keep remembering that jesus is with you always As you seek to make disciples, Jesus, the ultimate disciple maker, is with you every single step of the way. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is with you, helping you fulfill the commission that he's called you to. Isn't that encouraging? Like, here's what I want you to do. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, so go and do this. Also, I'm going to be right here with you as you do it. That's good, isn't it? Jesus didn't give us a commission and then ascend into heaven and leave us, you know, just to figure it out. What happened later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and when you are saved, God himself dwells within you. The ultimate disciple maker dwells within you so that you can make disciples. So this incredible passage is really the foundation for our second and third core values. Can we go back to that title slide there, Miss Allison? So these core values, this is everything. And this mission is found here in this text. And I want to just reference quickly, you may want to write this down and go read it later, Ephesians chapter 4, a message that we've looked at before, a passage we've looked at before, where it says that God has given gifts to his church. He talks about apostles and prophets, and they were the ones who God used to get us the word of God. And then he says there are pastors, teachers, and evangelists, and they are the ones who help us teach and instruct us in the word of God. But do you remember what it said? All of these roles, all these gifts, all these things, here's why they exist. Do you remember what the text says? To equip the saints 
for the work of ministry. Here's why God has given you leaders, church, to equip you to do the work of ministry. So this is an upside-down shift from what most of the world sees as ministry leaders. Most of the churches today see, hey, we pay you, pastor, to go and do ministry on our behalf. And you want to see me out there doing it on social media? You want to see us doing great things as a pastoral staff so that you can like that and say, yeah, I go there, I tithe, I feel real good about that ministry. But here's what the biblical model of ministry is. The pastors that God has called to this church are called to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And the Lord wants to actually send you out into every little nook and cranny of this city, the community surrounding this, so that you can be on mission and we can actually reach people far beyond our walls. How do you count influence in a church? Is it people? Oh man, we've been growing. Here's what I want to tell you. When we have a Sunday where we have, you know, 450, we've been bumping 500 even the last few months. It's been exciting. How do you really count that? You know when I'm preaching to you that I'm not thinking about the 450 of you? I'm thinking about the literally thousands of people that are going to be impacted because of what God does in you. As 450 people go out of these walls into the world, into their workplaces, into their schools, into their family units, and you take what God is doing with you, our church is impacting thousands and thousands of people in our communities because you're on mission so I mean this with all my heart when I say this to you but Crossroad Church I believe you are primed and ready to go in this season as your friend as your pastor I want to encourage you to reach the nations reach the nations you are the church you have been commissioned did you know that you can reach the nations in this season of transition? Did you know that this church can grow in a season of transition? It can happen. Everything that I've done in service to you over the last five years has been for this moment, for these days that are ahead. And listen, you're not a finished product. I'm not a finished project. We got a lot of equipping left to do, don't we? We've got a long ways to go. But at the same time, we've got a long ways to go. But here's what I want to tell you. You are equipped to do the work of the ministry. God has blessed you with pastors before me. He'll bless you with pastors after me. And all of those leaders that he's given the church have been for the sake of equipping you. And at this point, if you would maybe for the first time, some of you say, yeah, that's what God's called me to. <laughs> I am on mission. I am commissioned by Jesus to be his hands and feet. So you know what? I'm all in. Can I tell you what would happen if our church did that seriously in this season? God would bring revival to Crossroad Church. And can I tell you what people would say? They don't even have a lead pastor right now. And I know what we'd all do. We'd say, well, I mean, but those, those three guys really preach well. That's what God... We always want to assign it to people. That's dumb. Because we are all a bunch of broken clay pots, according to 2 Corinthians, right? Yep. That God and His grace fills up. So you, let's get, get, listen. Let's gather up like a broken down, you know, clay pot museum and just say, Jesus, fill us up so that we can be poured out on behalf of our city so that we can reach the nations by equipping the saints. You can do this. You're ready to do this. 
And my prayer for you is that in this season, we would see God do this in such a way that the gospel will be multiplied greatly in our church and in our neighborhood and in our city. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the simple reminders today. Lord, you are the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. And you have invited us that as we are going through life, that we can make disciples, that we can tell people about you, that we can teach them, we can walk with them in such a way that they know you through your word and that in the middle of all this process of reaching the nation and equipping the saints, we can stop and look to you and be reminded that you are with us always even to the end of the age. Lord, you will not ever leave us or forsake us. Because we know that and have confidence in that, would you give us what we need to be able to reach the nations and equip the saints as part of fulfilling this mission and this vision that you've given us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do.